The narratives comes to you from across the world, to the world, and all around the world, and the moon, and Mars, and sometimes Saturn, if you're lucky. Specifically the moon. Specifically the lucky. I'm actually a moon truther. Yeah. I'm actually really working hard about this. So where are we now? We're right at Marco Polo. If you just listen to our Genghis Khan episode and the Khan's episodes, then or the episode, I guess, the Khan episode, you have caught up. And you are now ready to hear about the next step on the road to Stalin. So here's a quick recap from the world's least qualified historian. Yeah. Basically, what it. we covered last time is all the monk. We talked about Genghis Khan. He grows up a slave. We talked about the shirtless woman. And then he rises to power. And he's like, yay, I can take everything. And then he fucking died. And then Kubla was like, I'm going to get it. A.K.A. Kubla Khan. After five cons. Which was one of his sons, Kubla Khan. Yeah, no. You're forgetting about Monke and like, who are the other ones that we talked about? There's Monke, um, then there was yeah, Jamuka, which was not Wakan, Ogadai. Um, I don't have a list of them, but that was a good recap. <laughs> yeah, good recap, Eric. Thank so you. Genghis Khan, and then Ogadai, and then Guyuk, and then after Guyuk there is Monke, and then after Monke we have Kublai. Kublai trying really hard in these episodes not to make a karma chameleon joke, but it might happen. With what? Just in general. What's a karma chameleon joke? You'll see. Get ready. Okay, so <laughs> that's if you haven't listened to the the Mongol episode, the cons, then go back and listen to them right now. You don't Marco Polo and the Crusades is not interesting enough. Alone, it is pretty interesting. Well, it's still, it's interesting alone, but it's but background the way we're working it helps you. Yeah, exactly. You need the first one. We're going to be talking about stuff right all throughout we're this marketing. whole road to Stalin. You need the Stalin. first episode. Yeah, go back. So we're talking about Marco Polo. Yeah. To start, Marco Polo was born in 1254 in the Republic of Venice, Neat. and we don't know where he was born or when he was born exactly, other than 1254. Record keeping is hard. Yeah. Why bother? So he's born, and <laughs> yeah. then and. right away, his parents, oh, I mean, I guess his dad, his mom stayed behind. And then his mom died, actually. But Spoiler alert. Like, right away, she died. Oh, never mind. And he was raised by, like, his uncle, brother Uncle kind ben of stuff like that. Aunt May? Yeah. Until Uncle Ben Grunkle? got shot by a robber. Dang it. Who Peter Dang it, Marco. Stopped. Oh. No. Um, what happened was Niccolo and his brother... Yeah. Who are basically historically more important in the grand scheme of events of the world, yeah, because they did more. Um, but Niccolo and Niccolo's brother, Niccolo Polo, and his unnamed brother, who <laughs> he, we call him the unnamed one. I couldn't find his name, so he's <laughs> unnamed now. He and his brother went to the Mongols. Hi, and that's why they know Kublai Khan. So. We've talked about Genghis Khan, and we've talked about all the Khans up to Kublai Khan, and now we have Niccolo Polo, and finally, we have Marco Polo. Yay, Kublai Khan, gay. we have to do a little bit of background here, Um, and I forgot to mention this in the last episode. We also ran out of a little bit of time. So, at Kublai Khan, he took over China. He was the first emperor of the Yuan dynasty, which is a new dynasty in China now. Huh. Um, is it still around? No. Can I go to it? No. In on Google That's, Map? It's 1300. If you, you know, want to Google Map 1300 China. I'll do it. So <laughs> They got good street view. What happened was China was ununified. It broke apart because of the Mongol invasion. And Keeping a relationship is hard, man. 
So it doesn't always work out. After even if it's with yourself, the successful siege of Beijing, Kublai Khan became emperor of China, and he's like, "This is a nice place. I'm gonna live here." So he he started living there. That's Yay! Re- and it was kind of difficult for China at the time because it's got this very um, what, what's the proper word for it? Like oh. what? It's, Today on it, what's the proper term? Yeah, <laughs> I do this a lot. I'm sorry. They have a very traditional way of I, a of traditionalist. working. Yeah, they're they're traditionals. So, Genghis, or, sorry, Kublai Khan took over Beijing, Genghis and dead. at the time, in um, around like 1100, China had this system called the. Um, do you remember what it's called, Eric? They have the civil service exam. Welcome back to what's the proper term? Yeah. The civil service exam. It's pretty late, so the the civil service exam like 10 was a system in which anyone in China could participate in government so long as they passed Best this exam. Test. Yeah. So this this exam would have like difficult questions on it and, and moralistic to, to, questions like, like will you, you serve your country if sky is falling? And you'd if, be like, heck yeah, sky if there's ain't a, no match for me. If you're in a building with your girlfriend, what's and a building? Puppy, I don't know what that is. And the building on fire. What's fire? How you save puppy or girlfriend? You mean, why save puppy when it have good meat for harvest? Okay, you passed the exam. Yay! Yeah. That's <laughs> probably not exactly what it went like. Yay! No, it was. It went like that. You Historically. have a transcript. <laughs> yeah. It's I actually a, an old Scantron was dug up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ACDC, ACDC. <laughs> not it. It's a pretty good it, like past one hundred percent. That's how Donald Trump got in. Same thing. Yeah. They just gave him a scantron and they were like, You did it. Uh, so the civil service exam was a system that was used. And then of course when Kublai Khan took over, the civil service exam was not used for a while. So he basically appointed from within, had a fun time. It's a good idea. Yeah, it works. Plato also had believed in a version of this. Yeah, we we talked about this a little bit. Or he established. He um, was one of the first to talk about it. Yeah, so back when Plato was doing a thing. In 800. With um, a bunch of clay arms and stuff, Plato was having a fun He was time. making Doc Ock armor. Yeah, in Plato. <laughs> Plato with playing with Plato. Plato. Yeah. Um, Plato talked about this in his, his book called... Fifty Shades Darker. Yeah, Fifty Shades Darker. He said the... Um, basically, if you take the smart people, the smart people should be able to lead the dumb people. And the dumb people can be slaves. Um, and the smart hi, people hi. can breed Excuse and me. become super smart people. Hi, I have a question. Uh, isn't that like eugenics? Yes. Oh. And that's okay because but that means smart people. But that's not actually how that works, though. That's what Plato thought. So <laughs> Plato was like, Hey, these smart people can, you know, test themselves and prove themselves smart. Yeah, what defines as smart? I don't know. Like, like, they don't have an IQ test, like, what is inside of Peach? Like, if they're wise and they just know what they're doing. Like, you can just people who are like, I've been a serf and peasant on this potato land for 400 years. Some of those guys are the wisest guys, though. They got potato smarts. I'm the potato guy, and then there's like... I have spent seven years studying this potato, and now I understand why a potato grow. I could have told you. You just put it in some dirt. No, I know. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Am I in? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woo. So this is actually the second time I've done the test. Uh, Plato. <laughs> I snuck back in. I liked it so much. 
Plato had a similar idea as um, and and in history you'll actually find a lot of comparisons between Greece, uh, Rome, no, not Rome. Um, Welcome Rome? back to what's that term? <laughs> Rome, Julius Caesar's Rome. Yeah, Rome, the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, and um, Chinese dynasties. So neat. Yeah, there's there's a lot of comparisons there, and the Plato and the civil service exam is just another one. Um, another difficult thing going on with the whole Yuan Dynasty takeover was that there global was global warming. Um, global warming was happening, and there was the right of kings. Oh, sort of the the Confucius. The Confucius, which we talked about this a little bit in the Confucius episode. You don't have to go back, but if you want to, go right A brief ahead. little summary. I kind of just remembered it out of nowhere. Basically, he was like, hey, how can we treat all the dead people with, like, maximum amount of respect and then all the living people with, like, punch? Bye. Why don't we just treat the dead living people like we treat the dead people? Yeah. And they were like, that's a good idea. The main idea was that if you ran a government like you ran a family, things would go perfectly. And so that's what government did. They adopted Confucianism, and sounds like the Sopranos. <laughs> no, well, they they were more like you know, my does the people of the government are my children, and I am the father kind of thing. That's terrifying. It's <laughs> you are all my children. I'm not though. Yes. No. Exactly. <laughs> my ploy has de- been deceived. Is so, this going to be on the test? Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Write it down. So, <laughs> I am your papa in yeah. bold. <laughs> so, I shouldn't have wrote, I am your papa. I wrote, he is. Basically, those are the two main traditional things that the Yuan Dynasty did not pick up on. But eventually, there's a lot of Khans who have who lived. There's like 10 in the Yuan Dynasty. Yeah, they're doing like okay. 200 years. They eventually adopted more and more the Chinese bureaucratic society, I suppose. Oh. Like, <laughs> yay? It was kind of bureaucratic. Not bad bureaucratic, like good bureaucratic. Oh, okay. That's good. Like, b- obeying the traditions and stuff like that. Oh, like a loose system of laws. Yeah. And, like, how t- people should be treated. But the, the Yuan dynasty sort of was just in a, a loose position. But then yeah, Kubukan. <laughs> yeah, girl. Oh yeah, Kublai brought it into to a lot of power, and because of what he did with Nicolo Polo, into power. Um, he created a ton of trade networks. And because of the, it all came around at the perfect time because Kublai had secured the tribes of the Mongols. So basically, the Mongol barbarians wouldn't rob traders anymore. So you could actually trade all the way from China to Italy, if you wanted. So. In Italy, uh, you could, for example, in the past, only go to the Black Sea area before you preach the the Gobi Desert, and then the Gobi Desert would kind of screw you over. The de- Gobi Desert, because if you went above the Gobi Desert, there was bandits, and below the Gobi Desert, there, there was, was bandits. Death. Yeah. So in, in the Gobi Desert, there's dead bandits. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of dead bandits. So um, around the same time, there was the Umayyad Caliphates, though. The what? The Umayyad Caliphate. Slower? Umayyad Caliphate. Okay, thank you. They're the Muslims, which originated from Mecca under the rule of Muhammad. Oh, the original. The original Muhammad. Neat. Muhammad the One. Was that his rapper name? (laughs) Muhammad the One. He went, hey, yo, I got a giant cube. And then Buddha came out and dropped bars. Uh, No, no, Buddha, no, you're ruining my diet. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, Buddha dropping bars is my favorite. The Umayyad image. Caliphate started this 
because they're they, I mean this is a little bit out of time period but the Mongols so just to put it in proper time period sorry yeah the Mongols they secured the bandits so there was protection along the Silk Road areas and everything so now there wasn't just a bunch of loose bandits running around because of this the Umayyad Caliphate were able to trade with China more and more um, and they also domesticated the camel and they were able to go across the Gobi Desert and in the Gobi Desert they started these systems of these little tiny tiny villages called caravanserai hmm. which were essentially spots where caravans could stop and, yeah root word camel, caravan camels could get drinks yo these camels are getting fucked up yeah so <laughs> camels could could slam back some tequila and <laughs> yeah. then go back into the desert oh that's horrible actually yeah. <laughs> no they had watering holes for camels and stuff my camel which meant you could actually travel through the gobi desert which means you didn't have to go above or below and it was faster which is awesome. So then, um, right in the middle of the Umayyad Caliphate, that's in between Italy and China. Yeah. Um, like, literally, this, if you drew a line. Yeah, if you drew a line, um, it's right there. So that means, all the way back to Niccolo, Niccolo finally has a safe passage around this time to get from Italy and Venice all the way to China. Oh. Sweet, right? That is actually very big achievement. Yeah. Achievement. I and it wasn't able to be done before because of the Gobi Desert thing. And it, like, Italy could briefly trade with the Umayyad Caliphate. Throw and it in the like desert. That. And, and they I'll could trade it. with the Byzantines. So, But beyond that, there was no reaching, you know, China. Are we going to touch on the so, Byzantines? Yeah, we'll talk about the Byzantines probably in another series, actually. Oh, interesting. So... There, there's a little bit about them in the Crusades later in this episode, but yeah, we're, we're getting there. So, Niccolo Polo, he heads out along this huge trek from Venice, and he's he's basically going on this trade mission because Venice is a ma- like mega mega yeah mega mega in the trade sphere. Um, obviously, becomes the center of the Italian Renaissance, which we'll get to a bit later. But he's now going across the desert and finally I guess it's like the little Indiana Jones thing do 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 and he finally yeah, makes it yeah. there um, to Kublai Khan's court in Beijing and he's like Kublai Khan you're the emperor of China Me. so um, what's up I guess he, he <laughs> <laughs> that's what you say to the emperor no um, he Hi, so I, I forgot to mention the the polos were ju- uh, jewelries, not jewel merchants. Jewel merchants. So yeah, you said that, did I? Yes. Okay, I didn't. I wasn't sure if I said it or not. In the last three times that we exited. Today on early onset dementia. So the, he he done all this training. He done all this training all the way. Up. <laughs> I haven't done my training. <laughs> he traded all the way up to Kublai. Oh, I'm Kublai. Yay! <laughs> yeah. So basically, what Woo-hoo. happened is he, is he came into Kublai's court and he's like. Hey, Mr. Kubla, what's up, man? It's actually Doctor, but that's okay. Doctor Kubla. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Doctor Kubla. Now listen here. I'm listening. Uh, picture this, okay? I'm there's, picturing. There's Rome, all right, and there's Italy. Italy I guess. is like a boot, okay? Oh yeah. Yeah, picture the boot. Now all right. Rome is like the shin of the boot. Like the, the yeah. heel? Yeah, no, the shin. Not my heel. My heel's got yeah, the magnets. shin. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, and Rome is got like this great place. Is it's got like what's uh, it called? Um, it's called Rome. It's called oh, the Cathedral of Rome, and there's like this Colosseum bullshit. There's a castle, but there's also this guy with a funny head called the Pope. I don't like him. No, he's great. Look, look, oh, he I unified all of Italy. Did he? So, I guess okay. And no, he didn't really. <laughs> Sorry, um, here on pure conjecture, the Pope rules the universe. 
and all of Italy is ruled yeah. by one man we call Papa. Yeah. So <laughs> the Pope. It's, it's actually true. Thought. I guess. I didn't think that I said He's it. He's popable. Hi, Papa. Yeah. So basically, um, what we're getting at, Nicola Polo told Kublai Khan about Christianity and I'm Catholicism. I'm telling you into the shadow And Kublai was like, neat. You go to Venice, I mean Rome. I'm going to go to Rome. Please. And talk to the Pope and get him to bring me 100 priests um, that are trained. They're trained I don't priests. think he's going to be into and that. some water. No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do the water? Why not? Holy he's water. He's not going to do any of it. That's a lot. And he doesn't even know who you are. And then bring him here so I can have priests. Is this so Nightmare Before Christmas? Niccolo was like, like, you got it, boss. Kidnap Santa. And so he leaves. He he stayed like for a little bit in China, but he did some more trading. He's like, look at look at my jewels. And everyone was like, neat. <laughs> he just so unzipped. He, <laughs> look, look at him. Look at my jewels. I'm selling them. And he came back. They're my dad's. So during this entire trek, Marco Polo was like being raised, and he's like got his finger in the dirt. He's like oh. drawing a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. So glad you said dirt. Yeah. He's like drawing little pictures, and he's like, where's Papa? Um, <laughs> and so Where is Papa? Eventually, Papa comes back, actually, which is nice, boy. right? So Niccolo returned home when, when Marco Polo was 15. Can you imagine that? Like 15 years, your dad's gone, and then he comes back, and he's like, sup? Want to go talk boy. to the Pope? Yes. Okay. So they go, to, they go to the Pope, essentially. and um, Neat. And uh, the Pope at the time, Alexander IV, denied the request for 100 priests for Kublai Khan and some holy water. Bitch, we ain't even got a hundred here, let so, alone to give to you, guy I just met who claims you own all of China, whatever. I don't, like, I get, that's pretty good reason. But for other than that, like, I, I don't know why he declined it. I guess he just didn't want to do that. <laughs> he didn't even give, like, a single priest or, or any holy water. He was like, the China will never, nah, uh-uh, China, no. Yeah, that's, that's weird, because normally popes are, like, spreading. I am infectious exactly. spreading. And you it, have the Black Death spreading. <laughs> Not yet, almost. Almost Black Death <laughs> yeah, time. It's coming. Thank you, Marco Polo, for bringing us the Black Death. He did real good. Uh, no. Who did? Where at? So, um, despite this obvious setback that there's no priests or holy water... Uh, Niccolo and his brother and Marco Polo actually decided to vi- return to Asia and visit Kublai Khan again, empty-handed. Um, oh. But they they went and found two priests, actually. They were like, oh, two priests is better than zero. And they so they're like, hey, priests, want to come to Genghis? I mean, Kublai? And they're like, sure. And then three <laughs> weeks later, the two priests were like, no. <laughs> they left. They turned back. Um, yeah, good riddance. And... And uh, by the way, during this time, the Crusades were happening. So yes, there's a lot of muck, muck going on. So I love muck. Yeah, good <laughs> Pokemon. Uh, it's not great, but poison type. It, it also grants them a little bit safer passage because now they can like go on a military ship and not worry about just being destroyed by Jerusalem. Oh no, it's Jerusalem. They've so, mobilized. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, the city is all over us. It's floating like the shield helicarrier. Yeah. Holy and water, so it is. Marco Polo's with them this time, and they go all the way back to Kublai Khan. And this time, uh, they when they reach Kublai Khan, hey. Kublai's like, well, I, you know, no priests, 
not great, but thank you, actually, oh. for going and doing this thing for me. You're not going to murder me? You guys are welcome to stay. And what? I also like your son, Marco Polo. Huh. Yeah. So, But you just like him? Yeah, he, he liked Marco Polo. It was likely that Marco Polo was really smart and really curious about this kind of world. And he spent a lot of time studying Mongolian and he became like a very good translator. Eventually, oh. Kublai Khan appointed Marco Polo as like the ambassador for him and Italy. So like he was the main person between Italy and... And, well, not like all of Italy. Italy wasn't yeah, united. I know Venice. what ambassador means. Yeah. <laughs> so, Venice and the Mongols, I guess, were connected now because of Marco Polo, which is neat. And um, <clears throat> he he's had this sort of affinity towards the culture of China and the Mongolians. Define affinity. Like, he just liked it. Oh, I don't know. Okay. It's not other than like Marco Polo is just like I like the buildings and the food and the people and that woman and that woman nice <laughs> nice and that man hey you want to meet up and that man yeah, and he's really excited about that man <laughs> yeah he's like damn so <laughs> I've been traveling um, for so long he eventually traveled farther into Asia actually um, than any other European had before so Niccolo and and his his Uncle went with him, and Marco Polo. Age went me, Uncle Buck. I'm coming on along. <laughs> he went <laughs> farther. They all together went farther into Europe than anyone else had before. Far, farther into, sorry, Asia than anyone else had before. So he went to all these distant places that were like he went to Korea, and I don't think he ever went to Japan, but you know, mm. went to India and, and traded all over there. So he. That's kind of um, cool. He actually was part of the inspiration for. Uh, Christopher Columbus, who was like, oh, India, I know how to get there quicker. Left. Left. Yeah. <laughs> so. Just go left. Yeah. Dumbasses, you always go up. Yeah. Um, so, after after going through Asia and everything, they, um, they traded all sorts of things again. And they returned, like, 25 years later. They all returned, and apparently nobody recognized them. <laughs> I imagine that they like they had trouble. It said that they had trouble speaking Italian. They'd been speaking Mongolian for so long. Oh, and like Chinese, they were like people. Were like, what are you saying? Arrivederci. Yeah, <laughs> he's like basically go watch Inglorious Bastards. Um, for that but bit. also they came back in a really shitty time because Venice was at war with Genoa. Oops. So, uh, so no Genoa. Oh, it's an Italian state basically. That's um, not good. Yeah, basic, back then Italy was was not unified. So there's like the state of Venice, the state of Pisa, the state of all these different city states, and Genoa was one of them. And Genoa was one of the biggest ones. It, it was Corsica, Genoa, and like underneath Rome was basically Genoa. But hmm. um, th- this is a little bit before he came back, actually, just oh. to give you a brief um, setup for what's happening up. Back to up the here. beef brief. Um, the Battle of Maloria happened in 1284 which was a few years before Marco Polo returned to Venice. Sounds made up. Tensions were raised because uh, Niccolo and Marco Polo, um, the trade, Broke because up. of their trade. Uh, like, basically, uh, the Black Sea area was now owned by Genoa and Pisa. And the War of Maloria, the Battle of Maloria, happened between Genoa and Pisa. So, you could now trade, imagine this, like, 
you can now trade all the way to China. Hell yeah. All sorts of stuff. But it has to come through the Black Sea. Oh, shit. There's only one other guy in the Black Sea, and his name is Pisa, and he's got a leaning tower. Why and do you, you're Genoa. Why does he have a tower? Because it's the leaning tower of Pisa. What's it for? It's just leaning. Um, Did they? <laughs> no. It's, I don't know. It's leaning. It was like an academy. I don't know. That's a f- that's the worst academy. Yeah, Genoa. Pencils We're gonna teach you how to roll off your desk. Uh, stop looking at the building. That's. Uh, that be the hilarious side. if it was Pisa architecture yeah. firm. <laughs> That'd be funny. But, um, basically, Genoa and Pisa were the only areas in um, the Black Sea that could trade. So anything that went to Italy had to go through the Black Sea and had to go through Genoa and Pisa. Genoa eventually was like, hey. If we eliminate Pisa, everyone have to pay us. So Pisa's a person? No, the city estate of Pisa. The okay. c- it's a city. They're, they're just the Republic of Pisa and the Republic of Genoa. Um, as well, the Byzantine Empire had given the rights to trade to these two areas because it didn't want a monopoly. But obviously Genoa and Pisa wanted a monopoly of their own. Yeah, I want to take everything. Um, Agreed. Because of the Crusades that were happening, Genoa held a tighter grip on the Black Sea region because of the Crusader states than Pisa did. And eventually there was a preparations for war. Uh, Uh 88 to 93 ships uh, Genoa had. And Uh Pisa had 70 to 80 ships. And Pisa died. What? It defeated. Not all of Pisa, but it definitely, because of this battle, everything went downhill. This is why you shouldn't have wars over shit. No. Because they destroy cultures. There's a guy who is... During this war, hey. a romance writer, uh, and his name is Ruticello de Pisa. Hi, everybody. Yeah, Ruticello, the romance writer. I write a book. He was taken oh, as a no. prisoner of war. <laughs> I don't know why. Book. <laughs> um, uh, so, now, um, all the way back to 1256 to 1270, and this is just like pretext, 1294 to 1299, which was during Marco Polo's return, there's the Venetian Genoese Wars, which were taking place. So Genoa warred with like everyone. Why did they you could. mention this romance writer guy? Because uh, we'll and get then to just that in a second. Back hundred years. Just, just, 100, just 100 seconds, okay? Marco Polo returned during this, this horrible time of the Geno- Venetian Genoan Wars, and basically he was immediately thrusted into combat. Yo, thrust that bitch. He took a galley. Well, he didn't. He like commandeered it. He was given. He was the captain of a galley, essentially, which was armed with a trebuchet. Yo, get him! Yeah, so it looks real neat. And um, unfortunately, around twelve ninety six, he was caught by the Genoans in the Second Venetian Genoese Wars, which stop twelve ninety four and twelve ninety nine. In captivity, he told his life story to a fellow inmate, Rudicello de Pisa. Oh, this is the... Yeah. Like, I'm writing my book and shit. Yeah. And he's <laughs> and like, he, hey, want to hear some crime I did? And he's like, oh, I love it, though. No, he didn't do crime. He's like, want to hear about Kubla? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. <laughs> it make a good book. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It makes a really good book. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, pretext guy. Um, Thank you, pretext guy. So, yeah. Rudicello de Pisa was captured during the Battle of Meloria. And... Um, my quill! And... Now, he was a romance writer who found, basically, he found gold, essentially, when he Look, turned I out his new book after guy. being released from prison called The Travels of Marco Polo. Pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> this book is the reason Marco Polo's name is so famous. Yeah. Basically, back me, then, it was produced so much that it would have been equivalent to Harry Potter today. So many people read it. Huh. Yeah. 
So, like, the percentage of people who read Harry Potter today and know of it would have been, like, the same oh, percentage. Oh, read it and know of Harry Potter? Yeah. Oh, that's, like, everyone. Mm-hmm. Except for, like, that 83 So, everyone was, like, oh, Marco Polo. deaf woman. Neat. Even she'd been, like, wand motion. Yeah. So, Marco Polo was eventually released, and he lived, and he returned to Venice and lived a happy Bye, life. <laughs> See you on the outside. So, um... I miss him. <laughs> he's like, um, that one guy from Lost... The, have you ever watched Lost? Uh, I've watched the first two episodes, oh, but feel no, free to spoil like, the whole thing. Yeah, is this this curly-haired dude who's like Irish or whatever, and he always appears, and he's like, see you in the other life, mate. He does that a lot. Oh, the guy was like, this is all part of some kind of like Devon reasoning. Yeah. They're like, no, it's not. He was like, it's all connected, <laughs> you <laughs> bloody twats. Yeah. And they're like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only do this outside. <laughs> Bye. So... <laughs> <laughs> I remember you. Yeah. Um, cry for you. So he lived basically Marco Polo returned and he's like better go live a normal life. He like built a picket fence and he's like I'm a jewel merchant and here's my Kublai Khan coat. And then the romance guy was like I left a box for you by brick wall. You yeah. must go find me. Yeah. After crawling through sewage They actually system. both became very rich. Oh, because of, of how well this book sold. If your book get mega mega um, the only problem was Marco Polo had constant challengers. Not challengers. What? <laughs> Challenger approaches. He had people who were like, you were never in China. You made that up. China doesn't exist. You don't know what China is. And Marco was like, you got me. <laughs> no. He's all made up. Um, <laughs> Nothing is real. And China? that's, that's the like, end of Marco Polo's story, actually. And, and Marco Polo died at the age of 70. There's really not the much there. of January 1324. Yeah, it's a lot of pretext to what's the history going on. Like we're saying, we're doing a lot of, on the road to Stalin, we're talking about people and the events. Yes, of the course. The narrative, right? So now, we're going to go back to the Crusades, which we had mentioned before. Yay. So the Crusades happened um, from 19, or t- sorry, yeah, 1915 to Yo, I remember those. My grandma no. was in a crusade. 1095 to 1099, which was nearly a thousand years ago. I mean, obviously you could tell, but... Yeah, if you can read, you can, I mean, listen. It's, it's really interesting to think that the crusades were like almost a thousand years ago. Like, geez. Pope Urban II like, geez. had responded to a call to arms settled by the Byzantine Empire, who had just lost Anatolia to the Seljuk Turks. Okay, so... Keith this Urban is the goes like, help! Yeah, Keith Urban. And they're like, we better help him. Yeah. He's Christian, so we gotta help. Yeah, Pope Urban was like, well, well, actually, it's really interesting how this happened, because there's technically two different orthodoxies of the church. Uh-oh. There was the Pope, and then there was the East Pope. Yo, there was East the West Pope! Pope and the East Pope. Yo, West Side Pope, best Pope. So back, um, this I, is just I vote for the West brief, Pope. brief Roman history. Um Around, I don't remember the dates exactly, but before 600 AD. 600. Before 600. Before then. Um, Rome was having a time. There's like a Whoa! lot of Julius Caesars and stuff like that, and they're doing oh, great. Never mind. Yeah, this We're not happy. Emperors and stuff. And then Rome is amazing. It's, it's conquered like all of the Mediterranean, and so it's like this Roman is Empire all mine. Is yeah. One of the largest for a reason. Huge. And then all of a sudden, stuff stopped happening because they just stopped conquering, and they stopped making armies, and then... Armies started attacking them. Hey, you guys read this book? We and should so, hold up for a bit till we all read um, it. Basically, they're all worshipping, you know, sort of Greek gods in a sort of Rome way. You know, instead of Zeus, it's Neptune and stuff like that. You know yeah. what I mean? So they're, I get you. they're doing that. And then what happens is they think Christianity is actually like this. They outlaw Christianity. 
Good riddance. Which is, is they think it's it doesn't do cannibalism a, it, actually it, because of the really? blood of church, blood of the Christ, <laughs> blood of the Christ. Yeah, they're like we're they're drinking like, the blood of the I'm Christ. I'm not into that funky jam. <laughs> like, they're cannibals, Jesus. But eventually, <laughs> literally, they're cannibals, <laughs> Jesus. So, eventually, what happened is um, they outlawed it until Constantinople, who Emperor Constantine, sorry, Emperor Constantine, was like. Yeah, I guess you can have Jesus if Istanbul was Constantinople. Yeah. So that's where this comes from, yeah, actually. Um, so Constantine, after declaring that Jesus is okay, he... <laughs> he's, he not, oh, he's not great. He's okay. Yeah, he's okay. He goes and he's like, well, Rome's done, so I'm going to move to this new place, and I'm going to call it Constantinople. Istanbul was Constantinople. So it was Constantinople and until the Turks, which we'll actually get to later. That's nobody's um, business but the Turks. On the road to Stalin, that's way down there. But we now have this void in Rome where there's no pope until ah. a new guy says, hey, I will be a pope. And so he's a pope. Okay. So there's the Western Orthodoxy and the Eastern Orthodoxy. And that eventually leads us to Pope Urban II. Yeah. When the Byzantine Empire is like, help, I need your help, Pope. And he help. says, okay, let me get together my army. For Kubla? Nah. For you? Duh. Yeah, basically. So the First Crusade involved three major players, Pope Urban II, Alexius I Komnenos of the Byzantine Empire, and King Philip I of France. Now, full warning, I, I use the term like all crusades are just all the time because it's a funny meme. I don't know what a crusade is. It's like yeah. literally, I have no clue what a crusade well, is. You're I about know to get educated. Religious, so you're about to be educated. Educate me. You're also about to ah! spill coffee all over. Ah! I saw that happening. I didn't want to say. Continue. <laughs> poor guy. Holy shit! So, Pope Urban II began his papacy on the twelfth. Papacy. Uh, yeah. Of March Your word, Papa. Of ten eighty eight, and his papacy ended on the 29th of July, ten ninety nine. He was a native of France, descended from a noble family, and Chatelon Soumanier. I don't that know. That sounds say it. right. Yeah, he was appointed Cardinal <laughs> Bishop of yes, Ostia right. <laughs> in ten eighty, and was a prominent supporter of Gregorian reforms, which were essentially a centralized power of the church. Gregor knows what he's talking about. Yeah, Gregory the Seventh. I believe in Gregor. No, Gregory. Gregor. Pope Gregory. The I seventh. only know Gregor. Um, he was one of the three people who Pope Gregory um, the Seventh nominated as, as papable, which He'd literally means papa. popable. He's he the ability be able to, to be, be a pope. A pope? Yeah. yeah, he's popable. He is popable. So Alexius the First, Comnemnos of the Byzantine Empire, reached out to Pope Urban the Second, and essentially secured the Byzantine Empire position by starting the Crusades, which fought back the Seljuk Turks, and they were like, "Let's also take the Holy Land. Why not?" So <laughs> might as well we're yeah. here. Um, so basically, the Pope called this giant meeting called the Council of Clermont, um, Council of Clermondo, uh, where the First Crusade was launched. Yay! Also at this council, Pope Urban called out Philip the First of France f- for his adultery. Did he make a diss track? Yeah, he basically diss tracked him, and um, they ba- he <laughs> yeah. was like, right before they're about to go in this giant war, he's like, also. King France, you suck. And he's got dumb hair. Okay, yeah. let's fight. <laughs> yeah, so King of France was like, mm, maybe I'll pull out of the war. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only time a Frenchman's ever pulled out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Good one. <laughs> I have a sip of coffee in reward. So, um, 
the, he didn't pull out of the war because of, yeah, of course not. Eventually, <laughs> am I right? It's not even a stereotype. What am I working on? <laughs> um, eventually, they they just made the Franks take this truce of God, and he's like, I swear I won't adulter again. Anyway, you want to hang out with all these young boys I got at the uh, store? Ah, uh, my adultery senses are kicking in. They should be. Gregor <laughs> bought them for me. <laughs> so the first crusade had begun once they uh, once that truce of God happened. And actually, it kind of worked for a little bit. It was the only crusade that kind of worked. Yeah. What? So How does it kind of work? So they made it all the way to Jerusalem, the Holy Land. Oh. And when they reached the city, they... Had insufficient troops. What is their goal when they hit Jerusalem to eliminate the Muslims and Jews? Oh, so these crusades are like removing any religion that isn't Catholicism. Yeah, they're like, hey, look, that's a Muslim. Let's kill him. Why? Because he's not Catholic. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, that's the crusade. Horse and my Pikmin. Yeah, Pikmin too. Not a joke. Pikmin is what they called spearmen. Yeah, or Pik- pikemen. Pikmin. We just say two. Pikmin because Pikmin two best Pik- game ever yeah. made. Um, GameCube. So, they they had no supplies and not enough troops to siege the city. They had one old so, Yokai watch medallion. For some reason, I, I don't know, this guy, one of the priests was like, I just had a vision. What we have to do is fast for three days and then walk around a little bit. And it'll be kind of like that story, Joshua. I don't know why he sounds like an Italian monster. Yeah, he it'll like be kind of like that story of Joshua Jericho. With the Jericho thing where he like walks around and Jericho is like, bah. And then the siege of Jericho happens. What? It's a religious thing. So, how like, did you get into this army? <laughs> You're the weirdest fucking whatever. Do you know the siege of Jericho? No. So it's a biblical story where um, oh. this that's why I don't know this army come Joshua comes with his army to Jericho, right. and they're like, "Well, we're never going to get through Jericho's walls unless we follow God's instructions. Dance around the the walls for seven days, and then on the seventh day, play some trumpet, and then the walls will fall down." What? Yeah, and then they did that, and the walls fell down. Apparently, what? And so, this is oh this is not God. exactly what happened in the Crusades. Ugh. They did this whole thing, and then they came back, and nothing happened. And they were like, "Well, that was a shitty vision." Things are getting a little wild at Caillou's house. Yeah. So dancing for seven days. After that, they're like, "Well, let's just siege the city with our insufficient amount of troops and insufficient amount of supplies." And so they did. <laughs> what? Insufficient amount of supplies. Sorry. I don't know what slorp pies are, but we don't have <laughs> they any. They siege the city, and then um, they actually got inside the city. And once inside, they systematically slaughtered every innocent Muslim and Jewish citizen they found, which was basically every single one of them. This is great for comedy. Yeah, it's this real whole great. Bit. I love this for making jokes. So um, another horrible thing that happened, oh, the good. Jewish people took refuge in a synagogue, which the Crusaders burnt down with all of them trapped inside. It's funny how history repeats itself. Yeah. Um... That's the whole thing about the Jewish people never really finding a, a home. Yeah. Sad, really. Like, the Crusades did not need to happen. Can we give them a country? Yeah, that's what happened. Take, like, I don't know. That's why Jerusalem... Jerusalem. I mean, and just give it to them. They earned it. They have it now. They have half of it, actually. Who gets really the other half? Um, Delta. <laughs> this is way out of Marco Polo, or way out of... I'm curious. Road to Stalin, but... Jerusalem's cut in half? Yeah. It's actually the city of Jerusalem. They're... After World War II, Europe was like, well, we got to give the Jewish people some place to live. And so they gave them this, and they gave them the Holy Land, essentially, which was the tiny little That's a pretty good place. Of, of land at the 
very, very eastern side oh, of so the it Mediterranean. Was, it was named on opposite day. No. <laughs> what? It doesn't sound super holy. Um, Dirt pit. It's it's actually like a it's pretty beautiful. nice place. I've seen pictures of it. Yeah. It's very beautiful now. But um, back then? I can't remember exactly what the what the state of... Uh, it might be the state of Jerusalem. Um, I have a friend who went to Jerusalem, and they're like, yeah, they have bandits, so make sure... You, not like bandits with like swords, like a Japanese movie. I mean like... Israel. Kids that'll be like, I'm a hug you. That's just kidding. Is. You're broke now. So I just pulled up a map of Israel so you can tell. It's right underneath Syria, right next to Jordan, and it's the state of Israel. But if you look at the state of Israel, Jordan actually splits the border of Jerusalem. Thanks, Jordan. I think it's Jordan. You dick. Or Hebron. Why'd you split Nablus? Jerusalem, Jordan? I don't know. Jordan Rempel? I'm calling you out. Yeah, the city of, of Jerusalem is, is split in two, so the capital... Um, this is the whole thing about the Trump te- tweet, actually. You know how Trump was like, Jerusalem belongs to the, these people. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, basically... Bullshit. Yeah, it's all messed up. And they really shouldn't have split it because, like, now there's just tons of conflict going on 95% always. 95% of the time you split something in half and keep the population separated, they're going to be like, yike. Yeah, it actually happened another time with Pakistan and Uzbekistan. Oh, Uzbekistan, my yeah. boy. India used to be part of both of them, and then they're like, well, see, Bye. the thing is, there's Muslims and then there's Hindus, so what are we going to do? And this one guy called... Um, uh, I actually remember name? this, kind of. It sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, this one guy whose name is Gandhi, actually, he was like, maybe we shouldn't split them in part. Maybe we should just you know, live happily together, and then... You're the under arrest for having a belief. Yep, basically, and then the, he got go, killed. Go, so. Well, he killed himself, didn't he? By no. Oh, no, he was assassinated. Yeah, he was assassinated. I actually have a great book called The New so. York Times Crime. But I digress. On the road to Stalin, we are back. So the Crusades, they make it to Jerusalem, and they actually make inside Jerusalem kill hey, baby. all the Muslims and all the Jews Oh, and immediately create in... Like inordinate amounts of children? No, they like extreme enemies. Oh, like everyone, yeah, I imagine so. Everyone nearby is like, you know, those crusades—they don't have a lot of people that live in the new city state what a of dick Jerusalem. Move to be like people just being people. Yeah. More so basically, like the Pope was like, "Hooray, we've won! We now have the Holy Land." Fast, like forward, uh, not even like a year immediately was destroyed again. How? Because they... Another crusade? No, they weren't. The Like a counter-crusade, essentially. The, the people who owned Reverse. the land. I don't Like the Seljuk Turks or whatever. I don't Amber, remember Amber, exactly Amber. what it was. But they took back Jerusalem. And that's why there's nine crusades. Hmm. Which is what we're, we're going to talk about a little bit. So, all through the crusades, the French monarchs had constant involvement. And this is where we're... We're linking it through to Stalin, the French monarchs. Because the popes, they're, like, boring. They're basically just like, oh, let's Except crusade. Pope John the... Or King John the Humanist. Never mind. King nope. John the Post-Humanist. Yeah, that's that's the French monarchs. I really want to talk about and King Pope John. Louis X, which we're getting to later, after the Italian Renaissance. But here we are with the Crusades. I think you say a number there. You don't just say X. It's mm-hmm. a Roman numeral. Pope Leo X. Pope Leo Tenth. Pope Leo X is what he's... Okay. Yeah. Um, so, during this whole French dynasty thing, there's, I mean, not French dynasty, the French uh, Crusades, yeah. Crusades, which Definitely the French were involved in, um, they had the Capetian dynasty, Ooh. which is, the, the, or whatever the French, Capetian? I don't know. Capiche? Capetian? I don't know. Why are you looking at me? What's French for 
Ah, well, my 30th century French literature, future yeah. literature. I don't know, whatever it was. <laughs> quite, um, this dynasty stretched from 987 to 1328. Whoa. Uh, it saw the formation of France as a state and also the st- gained strength and power of France um, and the Crusades and wars with Britain, including the Hundred Years' War, which oh, is one of the longest one. wars. It's not a good one. So of these kings, we're going to talk about five. Hundred um, year war. Think about that. That's an entire. It was really lifetime. like seventy years, but that's like one guy. Yeah. If a human lives a hundred years, so a hundred years is now one guy. Yeah. Or girl. Sorry, feminism. One guile. <laughs> Thanks. One ghoul. Yeah. So there's five Crusader kings here. So there's King Louis the Seventh, Philip evil. Augustus, Louis the Eighth, Saint Louis, lawful evil, and Philip the Third, Demogorgon. Okay. So, uh, King Louis the Fifth saw, or sorry, the Seventh saw the destruction caused by the Second Crusade to his own people. Oh no, my people! Yep. The the Second Crusade was not great at all. Oh, this is not great. Yeah. <laughs> so it all started with a conflict actually between him and Pope Innocent. There was a a violent conflict. Ironic so Pope name. Innocent, yeah. Um, after Did having interdict imposed upon him, which meant can you name yourself as Pope? Yeah. Oh, you can just be like, I'm Pope Red Buttons. I'm Pope Red Bull. Red Buttons was in the Don Bluth classic uh, Puff the Magic Dragon, I believe. What? That's an actor named Red Buttons. Because he didn't have to give a real name in Hollywood. Neat. Yeah. Oh, no, it was Pete's Dragon. It was the original Pete's Dragon. Oh, okay. Anyway, back to so, yeah, murder. Um, pope Innocent II imposed an interdict upon him, uh, the King Louis VII, uh, which made him unable to participate in certain Catholic rituals, essentially. Like hopscotch. After that, he uh, went to war with Theobald II of Champagne. This is King Louis Theobald VII. Theobald II? Of Champagne. Oh, I want to give him a wedgie so bad. This war came to an end when Louis VII burned down a church, killing near a thousand innocent people Rock who were stuck inside. Roll. So a second church to burn down that we're talking about, the synagogue, and then now this one. And to atone for his sins, he promised to mount a crusade. The Second Not Crusade. The Second Crusade failed horribly. Rock. <laughs> yeah, as did all the other crusades that happened after. Why bother? I don't know. They're like, we got to take the Holy Land, What's and they so didn't bad? even make it to the Holy Land. They just died. What's so bad about like? I also believe in the Bible, just a little bit different part. No, no, like, no, no. you Muslim normie, we. See, they pray to a giant cube, and we can't have that. I wish we prayed to a giant cube. I mean, you could just convert to Muslim and that's pray what they to a pray cube. to. No, they don't pray to the cube. The cube is the pilgrim. Like when they make the pro, they sorry, the direction that they pray is pointed towards the cube. Is what I should say. What's the so cube? So they technically pray to the cube. It's not the cube. The it's just this, like in Mecca, the pilgrimage to Mecca that we're talking about, um, in Islamic religion and, and Muslim is there's this cube that was constructed and it holds the original from Muhammad the first the meteorite that he claimed to have had a, a connection to God with through the meteorite because he like he was like I need a sign from God and then a meteorite hit like right next to him and, and he, he got like, oh, super shit. radiated and yeah. heat stroke from the desert and he was like I found God yeah basically <laughs> neat and so he put this meteorite inside the cube and now everyone prays to it because it's it's that got a space rock. Yeah. Of God, essentially. So that's they pray to the cube. Interesting. In a way. I'm not gonna say that's dumb. I'm gonna say that is unique and I've never heard that before. Yeah. It's really really neat. Which 
obviously is reason for a crusade. That so, is quite a reason for a crusade. Uh, the Second Crusades, like I don't even have to talk about where they happened. They just happened all across the Mediterranean. And the Crusader states were dying because the Somebody's counter crusades. And, and, you. and it just sucked. There was tons it of sucked. Sh- yeah. <laughs> it's that author guy from earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Write a book about the Crusades. Okay. It sucked. <laughs> I'm done my book. Who had to read it? The last one did so good. <laughs> King Philip. Um, hey. This is King Philip uh, Augustus. That's bad. <laughs> King Philip Augustus. No, he's Philip Augustus. Ah. Yeah. Sorry. King Philip Augustus um, third time's was charm. the third crusade. Sorry. Hey. Yeah, third he, time's the charm again. Yeah. So he traveled to the Holy Land to participate in the Third Crusade in 1189 and 1192 with King Richard I of England and the Holy Roman Emperor Frederick I of Barbarossa. I don't know why, but I just imagine him arriving at the Crusade and them like checking his field trip form. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Just immediately That's the best it. thing ever. <laughs> oh, you actually have the wrong bus, sweetie. You're going to Crusade Two. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> This third crusade now. So, um, interesting enough, they actually all got together. That's three very highly conflict regions: the Holy Roman and Empire, like, England, and France. And we're like, okay. And they're like, let's all crusade for the same reason. And they're like, whatever. So they they left um, Vézelay on the first of July, eleven ninety. At first, the French and English crusaders traveled together, but then the armies split at Lyon after Richard decided to go by sea, whereas Philip took the overland route through the Alps to Genoa. On the 30th of March, 1191, the French set sail for the Holy Land, and Philip arrived on May 20th. Huh. He then marched to Acre, which was already under siege by a lesser contingent of crusaders. Oh, man. And then he started to construct siege equipment before Richard arrived on the 8th of June. By the time Acre surrendered on 12th of July... Philip was severely ill with dysentery, I which reduced his zeal. Gack attack. Yeah. Uh, ties with Richard were further strained after the latter acted in a haughty manner uh, after Acre well, fell. Well, I don't want to be in the crusade. <laughs> <laughs> so, King Louis VIII was involved in the Albigensian Crusade. The Albigensian Crusade. <laughs> Which was a 20-year crusade started by Pope Innocent III. Oh my Marie. god, that's so long. And it was a crusade that wiped out Catharism in South France. What's Catharism? It was, I don't exactly know. I read about it and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. It's like two religions mixed together that were sort of Catholic, sort of not. What was, was the like not Catholic part? paganism, I guess. Pagan, I always... Okay, move on. Yeah. We'll so, talk later about what a pagan is. If you're a Catharist, I'm sorry, but I just... I'm sorry because you're I couldn't dead. understand. <laughs> and we mourn for yeah, your we loss. Also, yeah. So, um, King Louis the... Sorry, King Louis the Eighth, um, basically just held a... He he got the, the long straw, I guess, because he could hold a crusade against his own people. So he crusaded to the south of France from North France. How was that the long straw? Because the short straw was you get the second crusade and you get to get fucked. I kind of warned you. No, no, you get Muslim fucked again. Okay. I guess it doesn't matter to you, but <laughs> what Eric, did you just say? I guess it doesn't matter to you, Eric, but the king of France. Oh, it might matter to him. Okay, just a little bit. That's where you were going. Yeah. Good. 
<laughs> King Louis the Ninth, the son of the Eighth, which isn't always obvious. They sometimes they rename themselves off of different things. I'm Daryl the Twelfth. <laughs> so I'm taking uh, away. When Louis was fifteen, his mother brought him into the Albigensian Crusade, the same one we just talked about. Brought him what? No, brought an end to it. So oh, she's like, you've got to stop. You this, legit this need is a literally... field trip for him now. <laughs> in 1229, after signing an agreement with Court Raymond, with sorry, Count Raymond the Seventh, Count Raymond, Count of Toulouse. That's what I'm going to call my uncle. That from cleared now. the latter's father. That cleared um, King Louis the Ninth's father of wrongdoing, King Louis the Eighth. In his mid 30s, King Louis the Ninth went on the Seventh Crusade, and later in his 50s, he left for the Eighth Crusade. He believed that his obligations to the church outweighed his obligations to the throne. Interesting enough, King Louis the Ninth sent two different requests to the Mongols. What? Yeah. What, were One, they about the same thing? or were No. They? One to Guyuk Khan, which never made it to Guyuk because he died. And then later um, to Manga Khan. Um, when in um, when Manga Khan was in power, King Louis sent an envoy that spent several years in the Mongol court. Actually, Manke asked aid, the Franks for aid during one of the wars, and the request never reached France. So they were almost allies in a war. Hmm. Now, we're reaching the end of the Crusades. Aww. We're getting um, the the end. I'm sorry, everyone. End of the episode? End of this the one? Crusades? No, no. Uh, it's not quite yet. So, Philip III, this is the funniest one. The most comedy We call crusade. him Philip the Goofy. He's actually called Philip the Bold. That's Which is why it's funny. Not so. um, Philip the Bold, the last king of the Crusades, was coronated on August 30th, 1271. I am the king. His Look involvement in the Crusades yeah. brought his death of dysentery. Oh, I found him. I'm which dead. affected his entire French camp. <laughs> <laughs> the entire camp got dysentery. <laughs> the Aragonese Crusade was declared by Pope Martin IV. What's it matter? And was de- declared against Peter of Sicily. Philip the Bold died the boldest way possible. By shitting himself to death with the rest of his Franks. Oh, I love the thought of that. What's the matter, sir? The king gave me shit disease. Oh. Everyone got shit disease. Thanks, king. Now, Philip III, the uh, the bold. Posthumous king better. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to that. Um, now we're going to tr- track them all through their lives from Philip III to the last, not the last king, but the, the king we're going to be talking about here. So let me just find exactly the line lineage so I can talk to you guys through it. So Philip III the Bold was coronated on on impossible to navigate. Sorry. I wish I could say. Well, the coronated on 25th of August, 1270. And then he his reign ended on the fifth of October, twelve eighty five. After him, that's tomorrow. Yeah, neat. Philip the Fourth, <laughs> the Fair, and also the Iron King, which is really ironic because they called him the Fair, and then he was like, "Nah, I'm a fucking dickhead." And then they called him the Iron King, like the bitch of Buchenwald. Yeah, he was f- um, coronated from the fifth of October, twelve eighty five, all the way to twenty ninth of November, thirteen fourteen. After him was Louis the Tenth, known as Louis X the Quarreler. I was going to be Louis the Wrestler, but I was already taken. Uh, Louis the Quarreler um, was known as Louis the Quarreler. Right? I'll quarrel you. Um, because of his tensions with nobility due to fiscal and centralization reforms. Oh. Yeah. I thought he was like Abraham Lincoln, where he just wrestled all the time. No. No, no. He was just a quarreler. 
So. I'm going to wrestle you, though. <laughs> so, after Louis the Quarreler, there's John the Posthumous. Yes! I love John the Posthumous. So, John the Posthumous was king from 15th of November, 1316, to 20th of November, 1316. Hell yeah, dude. From age zero to, to five, five days. days. He was literally born, and they're like, this is our king. And then five days later, he died. And they were like, well... And then Philip V, the huh. Tall, the son of John the Posthumous. The Tall? Yeah, Philip the Tall, son he, of John the Posthumous. I guess that's why he wasn't like Philip the Bold. No. They're like, he's tall. He's better than no, Philip no. the Alive. <laughs> Philip the, thank God he's not dead. It looks like they just copy-pasted the portraits of all the f- the previous people's faces onto like new people's faces. That's called inbreeding, kiddo. Louis X, the Quarreler, looks exactly like Philip the Tall. Yeah. Except for the tall's a little bit taller, I guess. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Philip the Tall was taller because he's not five days old. And on the on the twentieth of November, he's not actually the son of John the Posthumous, but because five days old, it would be impossible. Twentieth uh, of November, thirteen sixteen. <laughs> he was only January. around for five days, but he was doing it for all five of those days. <laughs> um, Good for him. After Philip the Tall, there was Charles the Fourth the Fair. The fair, yes, like the fair. He's very nice, or like yeah. he looks hot. He's so fair. I mean, white basically is what fair means. There's a, wow. Someone apparently edited this. Sorry, I'm just reading through this document. Someone edited this document, um, and it hasn't been fixed yet. And it says literally right here. I'm, I'm going to read it off of Wikipedia. Another notable monarch in this line was Tommy Castaneto. He straight up yeeted on them boys. <laughs> it's in the Wikipedia article of the French monarchs. <laughs> he did straight up yeet on them boys, though. I'm just looking at at all the... Uh, like, the only reason I'm looking at this is to get the exact yeah. Brendan actually wrote names. out a lot of notes. Like, yeah. we don't do Wikipedia anymore. We're above that because of this shit. This, is, this Wikipedia thing is just, again... Yeet the the boys, the names of the kings in Where order. Does it actually, say yeeted on them boys. He straight up yeeted on them boys. Huh? Don't change it. Don't report it. Okay. okay. Um, after after sorry, um, Charles Fourth the Fair, there was Philip the Sixth the Fortunate. Then there was John Second the Good, Charles Fifth the Wise. Charles VI, the beloved. Uh, uh-oh, the mad Charles VI now. <laughs> so he went from the beloved to the mad. Everyone loves me. And Love then, me more. Uh-oh, Henry VI of England is the king of France now. How'd that happen? In it happened for 3D. No, it was just because Charles Henry the... Henry Lloyd v? Henry. Henry V of England married a bunch of people. And yeah, anyway, it was convenient. Then we have Charles VII, the victorious and the well-served, Louis the Ninth, the prudent, the cunning, the universal spider. What? Yes, that's what his title is. Um, so he's like Nancy? I, I don't know. The spider god? I don't know. You know about spider god? No. The Anansi god? No. Oh, okay. I'm not going to tell you about him. After that, after the universal spider, we have Charles the Eighth, the affable. Hi. And then Louis the Twelfth, father of the people. They call me Daddy. And finally, we reach Francis I, the father and restorer of letters. Why is Francis I important? I don't know, Brendan. Why? Do you know why he's important? No. Actually, no, no. 
Because Francis I, we talked about in the Leonardo da Vinci episode. Whoa! All the way back to season one. Thank you for listening. Yeah, so what you can do, instead of waiting for the next episode to come out, what you can do is actually check out the Leonardo da Vinci episode. We're going to talk to you a little bit. We're going to do a little bit of recap on them, but yeah. why bother when you have Not two time. whole episodes on them? Exactly. So... I'll put you, you in the shadow box is, if you don't listen. Um, yeah, if you don't listen, you're shadow boxing now. Um, we're now at the Italian Renaissance because Philip I knew directly Leonardo da Vinci because Leonardo da Vinci, spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to the Leonardo da Vinci episodes, built him the lion. Yeah, the lion. The automated lion. It's really cool looking. Yeah. The actual like recreation from his plans, it would have worked. Yeah. It, it was really neat. So... Um, what you can do now is go check out Leonardo da Vinci, or if you like, you can just listen to the recap, and and we'll talk we'll about. We'll do that. a little recap. But... Um, the really best way for you to experience all this is to go listen to Da Vinci again. Yeah. So, recap now on everything that we just learned. So we talked about at the start. We talked about Marco Polo and Niccolo Polo. We also talked about the um, the Yuan Hi, Dynasty. Everybody. Yuan Dynasty with um, Kublai Khan. And we also talked about how that secured the Silk Road. So now we've got a Silk Road going. And Marco Polo. Yeah, you know, Marco traveling. Polo. And he, he had a fun time with Kublai Khan. And that guy wrote a book about him. Yeah. So he got extra famous. And he got in the war. And then all the stories got told across the world because it was, it was translated and, and written all sorts of times. And then we had the Crusades, which started with Philip... Uh, sorry. Started Philip with J. Fry. With Pope... The second of something? I don't remember. My memory's not... Who cares? We'll talk up. about it next episode. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll mention that. But it, it started with um, that one Pope. Pope Urban. Sorry, Pope Urban the second. I just remembered. I also looked at my phone. I remembered looking. Um, Pope Urban the <laughs> I second. I remembered looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we traced Pope Urban the second's knowledge of people mm-hmm. all the way from all the kings oh, yeah. of France to... Um, John the Revelator no, or Joe the Posthumous or <laughs> Joe the Posthumous hey. whatever that king was John the Posthumous all the way to the final king it's the final king King Francis now. the first who asked Leonardo da Vinci for hey, a could you make me a lion yeah it's gotta have a mechanical bit and thing. the renaissance was underway so now, the next episode, we're going to talk about the Renaissance in Italy. Talk about some Renaissance painters and the Medici family. Listen to Da Vinci while also listening to the song Green Sleeves on repeat. <laughs> yeah. And you'll be good. Uh, so yeah, what you can do is recommend this series to your friends. Do you it. Check out the Leonardo Da Vinci episode. Do it. Um, and then from there, you can wait patiently do for it. our episode continuing on our road to Stalin on... We're going to talk about the Italian Renaissance. Yeah. We're going to talk about some Italian painters that we oh, haven't discussed yeah. as of yet. And then we're going to talk about the Medici family. Oh, we're going to talk and about And we're finally going to talk about Pope D. Pope D. Pope Leo X. That's what his name is. Pope Leo X, which is going to lead us to talk about one of the most interesting diss tracks of all time, written by Martin Luther. Bye. I got to get out of here. I got a job interview. So thank you all for listening. 
And don't forget to check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You've been listening to The Narratives. I want to drop check this us mic, but it's expensive. You so. can check us out on Facebook, iTunes. Nope, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter at The Narratives. See you all in the next episode. Bye.